Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Polybytes podcast, bringing you bite-sized politics every week. There is a special surprise this week. I am joined by Matt from Discernible. We're going to have a chat about politics. Thank you for joining me, Matt. Hello. You're so funny. As soon as you start the podcast, you've got this train announcer voice. It's really <laughs> professional. I can't I do it. It's because I've done it so many times. It comes out with like this rote repetition and you can tell that I've done it so many times. <laughs> hey, I'm excited to actually talk to someone about what's going on. We're in a bit of a hiatus, so it's a pleasure to um, be in here making content with you. Let's roll. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great to be doing stuff again after the People's Project and everything else. And this has the bonus that um, neither of us necessarily has to be on camera. So it's a little bit less work for both of us. Well, you can see me. I look good, right? Just oh, the no, people we, can't both, we both look fine, guys. It's, it's all good. But we're, we're going to talk politics now. So there's been a couple of really big things this week. Obviously, the biggest is the federal election finally getting announced on Sunday after waiting for God knows how long. And we've had the first few days of the campaign trail, which, I mean, I, I think we all knew it wasn't going to be great, but, like, it's, it's bad, <laughs> at least. We can put it in your parlance. It's a dumpster fire is what voice Victoria would say. It is, it is genuinely, though, this is one of those circumstances where that is the most appropriate term. We have seen Albo have a massive media headline blunder every single day of the mm. campaign. And there's That's been true. discussions that it, it's kind of almost never happened before this badly. We had, what was it? It was the... The first day was he didn't know the hash rate, which if you have an entire policy platform based off this, you should, and you gave a budget speech two weeks ago, you should probably know what it is off the top of your head. Otherwise, how did you give a budget speech about your policy that pertains to that number? Then he Can I give you a shout out for this before you go to the next one? So the yeah. RBA cash rate. So some people are saying, uh, good people are said- saying, hey- don't do gotcha moments. And I agree with them. And others are saying, no, he should know because economic stuff is important. But I think the, the strongest argument for why it was a dumpster fire blunder was yours, which was they just announced all we care about is cost of living pressures and 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 uh, we're not just the typical socialist left faction on the ALP. And this just highlights that, no, they're, they're not at all. Albo is pretending. He doesn't know the employment unemployment rate. He doesn't know the cash rate because he honestly, I don't think he cares. Well, and this is the analogy that I would use. Are you going to tolerate a CEO not knowing their share price? Hmm. Like, can you can you imagine, you know, that you talk about, oh, well, it's not about the, the day-to-day. It's not. No, it's not. But it is a key indicator about business performance for that particular industry or metric. The point the media made about this was exactly what you've just said then. It's about, you know, if you're going to make your your platform, and one of the things that Labor struggles with the most is this idea that they're bad economic managers. Mm. And the first day of the election campaign, he does not know a key economic indicator. I mean, you couldn't write that. It's a disaster. I'm really sad about that because... Scott Morrison is such a disaster, and I feel like he's being helped by Albo's disasters. And we're just seeing a descent into an American-style election where you got Dumb and Dumber as a choice. Absolutely. Could not have said it better. I think it was actually a barbecue bulletin satire piece that said Scott Morrison's just hoping Albanese just keeps going. And I think I did a tweet about this. Whoever wins, it's just going to be a Bradbury. Like, it's just someone else falling over. Yeah, I mean, you've got this later in in the show to talk about a hung parliament, but that's where we're headed, people. I've been saying that for months. I just can't see it going any other way. And nothing that's happening at the moment is changing my mind. But so we had the cash rate. Then it was he didn't know who the Human Rights Commissioner was, which is just Mm. 
ridiculous based on some of their track records of, again, some of their key policy bases. Then they turned around and said they weren't going to change the job seeker rate, Mm. which absolutely imploded a lot of their base. They were really angry about this. One of the reasons why is because they accepted a uh, an increase the federal government had put in place throughout COVID. I think it was an increase of $50 a fortnight off the top of my head. And a permanent increase? Yeah, so the federal government yeah. made that increase permanent and yeah. Labor kind of accepted that. Now, they've turned around and said, oh, well, you know, we might not look at an increase to job seeker, but what we'll do is look at something like an increase to rent allowance. That does yeah. not that does not translate in the media to the public. It is terrible messaging, and they've just been ripped apart for it. And it's then, so well, they've been talking about increasing it for so long. Well, everyone needs to keep in mind that this is exactly what they smashed out when we doubled the, the doll, whatever it's called, New Start or whatever now, in the pandemic. And Labor and Tanya Plibersek and friends, the usual bunch, Penny Wong, were screaming, this is, it's got to continue permanently, permanently. And the Greens were saying that too. Mm. And now they're walking it back. This is always what happens. Both sides, actually, really. But I think Labor do it slightly more. Uh, they scream about something. And then when they finally get the ring, they get the power, they backtrack. Well, this is, and I do agree with that. But to backtrack in the first week of an election campaign is just hmm. like what are you, what are you doing? Do you know do you know what you're doing? I'm concerned. Yeah, okay. I mean, we're early in the campaign. It's not going to be a, a train wreck the whole way. I'm sure he's going to have ups and downs, and Scomo will do something stupid because he's the world's biggest liar, as far as I can tell. Oh. Uh, but yeah, the other thing, um, when you point out the the, the offshore detention thing, mm. they're all over the place <laughs> in the same like in the same two sentences with a journalist saying. Uh, you put this in your stories saying, yeah, we, we don't need offshore detention. And they said, oh, but you're going to keep offshore detention? And he goes, yes, of course. Well, what the? So he was actually, and this is in the press release that I posted, he originally played some key roles in how that process sort of happened and was instigated in the beginning. And he mentions that in the press release, which I know that, you know, most sides of politics like to try and forget. But um, Adam Bant, like you said, got up at his uh, National Press Club address and sort of said, oh, this gotcha thing about cheap politics for stats people don't like. We've kind of had that. And then now we're moving into a different arena of policy items. Like, okay, let's forget the stats. Let's forget quizzing you on that. Let's just go to the basics of what you've said that is going to be your policy base. And he's just removing them all. I mean, even um, the Medicare promise. This really annoyed me, by the way. I'm someone who believes dental should be added to uh, Medicare. Mm-hmm. And they're turning around and talking about funding 85 random hubs rather than either, you know, pouring the money into current infrastructure or adding things like dental, which is, you know, a past policy of theirs that they've also binned. You know, my career was in medicine before all this uh, and then law. And the, I, I know medicine intimately. I know the waste that goes on primarily in the pri- in the public sector. But even when the, when you do boondoggles like this, the fact that they're going to set up new giant centers, mate, this thing, this thing is going to suck up so this, I'm thinking, yay, there are some $200,000 practice manager jobs ready. I could oh, go and bail and go and do. Yeah, and all I see when they start talking about this, exactly the same as you, bureaucracy dollars. Mm-hmm. The, just think of it like the Victorian public service, but countrywide, just big fat paychecks and PROIs. I'm going to have to start beeping this. So I know some people listen to this with kids. <laughs> I'm being I'm much better with the swearing now. Our original you series of the kids. Yeah, well, the original series of People's Project kind of broke me of it a little bit, unless I'm, you know, talking to someone off camera. But anyway... So Scomo is going poorly as well, right? But you know what I think he's doing is he's doing uh, what do you call it, Scotty from marketing? 
and he's just playing the incumbency card, small mm-hmm. target, to sit there, do some photo ops, cheesy as, but he doesn't seem to care that it's cheesy or not. He's not playing to you and me. He's playing to the bottom of the rung, the Guardian readers and the Daily <laughs> Telly readers and just either side. It's just, hey, look at me smiling in a Qantas 747 because I'm going to help you. I will never live down that Top Gun thing. That was awful. But I mean, how is that photo of that dog? There was a photo op of, you know, two people smiling with a puppy and this dog looks like it is traumatized. Yeah. And Labour have actually tried to use it in memes, Paulie, right? Oh, yeah. Labour tried to make a meme about trying to wait for a doctor. I'm like, guys, this is not not the topic you want to be joking about when someone died in Victoria in the last week on a stretcher in a hallway waiting for a doctor because we are so badly understaffed. You know, this hung parliament that's coming, I'm so excited because I just want to roll the dice. I've had Gideon Rosner on a lot from the IPA on our show and our live events. And every time I ask him, should we do insert blank crazy thing? He goes, you know what? Roll the dice. Roll the dice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm ready for it. I think anyone who's kind of been following politics really closely the last couple of years, you end up a little bit of an anarchist. You're like, you know what? It's mm. already cooked. How about mm. you just set it on fire? Why not? See what happens. Who cares? My, my biggest concern about hung parliament, which for those who aren't super familiar with this term, the lower house, the majority of seats held in the lower house, the party who holds them forms government. Now, when neither of the majors hold a majority, you have a hung parliament whereby you get the power sitting with the crossbench, which is usually a bunch of minor parties and independents who get to literally do a deal and pick who forms government. Hmm. This is obviously outrageously chaotic and vaguely unstable for democracy. However, it would probably- I just screw you. Come on. You just said outrageously stable for democracy. This is what the Swiss do, right? I mean, yeah. My The only reason it's unstable is because those kind of alliances can kind of ebb and flow. So your government is being held together with a handshake. Yes, but also it gives us the power to attack a smaller independent and say, hey, you need, put pressure on, you need to not pass this bill or pass this bill. Yeah, yeah. And it gives oh, no, us totally. a voice. It, yeah. it totally does. But um, I mean, look at this point. I think a lesson needs to be learned to the majors. I think something that dramatic does need to happen just to teach them a lesson that, you know, this is not, the public is not happy with this system anymore. And it would be the natural step to change to moving away from a two-party system. This would have to be an inevitable first step if we have a hung parliament. And then you can see that cycle accelerate and continue at the the next election cycle. So I've been saying since I think January or December that I think we'll have a hung parliament. All the smaller elections that have occurred, like by-elections and so on, they support this in the sense that you know we've seen a huge swing away from the majors there's been an uptick in the independents and smaller parties it will just be a question about who does the deal so will it be greens and labor because that's you know going to be interesting or will it be someone like one nation with the liberals like who knows love it do you know in the past we've had hung parliaments and the independents running crazy and what did he say um keating was like oh the upper house is a is a bunch of unrepresentative parliamentary swills or swine or whatever. Yeah. Uh, in the past, it's because it's always been the left. It's always been Greens doing deals or lefty independents. I'm excited that this is one of the first times that we've seen in a long time where freedom uh, is actually on the agenda in a big way. We're just coming out of this crazy uh, lockdown season, pandemic and whatever. So the, the appetite for a UAP, there's billboards everywhere around my area, but UAP, freedom and all this, that, that appetite's huge. So I think we're going to see a lot more of those freedom-based minor parties, or at least minor parties who are willing to understand that freedom is not just something you, you yell 
as an American, it's actually a really core part of our society. So that's going to be cool. So if we have a bunch of David Limbricks and Pauline Hanson in there and holding the government to ransom for some bill, I'm all for that. Great. At the end of the day, I mean, it's interesting looking at um, One Nation's voting record. They are predominantly aligned with the Liberal parties. But mm. that being said, you know, you don't know who's going to get in. And so you can actually have a crossbench in the event of a hung parliament. You could have a, a crossbench in both the lower and the upper. Ooh. And I mean, whoever forms government, then they are in for a slog to pass anything. And to me, I think that's great because, yes. you know, that's healthy democracy. If it's a great idea, everyone should be on board. If it's not. Hey, I think, well, yeah, exactly. And I think everyone sees that. Everyone who's been watching the past two years can see that we want our governments to bloody do less, not more. Oh, Shut God. up. Leave us alone. The leave us alone is definitely there. I think there was a billboard that the Lib Dems did and all it said was um, more freedom, less government or something like that. Mm. And it was so popular. And I was like, yeah, I can see why. I can see why, especially in Victoria. Speaking of Victoria, let's go on to that. We have, we've got a break with our parliament at the moment, which I will personally say thank God because it was a lot having that many sitting weeks um, mm. alternating back to back. Two biggest things that are happening at the moment is on the 12th of April, so a couple of days ago, Dan Andrews officially extended the pandemic declaration. So his mm. power is to extend the declaration, which means the health minister can then make pandemic orders. And it's mm. the pandemic orders that are controlling everyone's lives. That's the vaccine mandates. That's the vaccinated economy, all that kind of garbage. There's lots of talk in the media now about the vaccine mandates ending. Um, I obviously did a bunch of prediction posts based on things that I have been sent and seen that they would end in the next couple of weeks. But now all of a sudden with the rest of the states dropping this stuff and, you know, it kind of getting to the point where it's been, you know, six months of this, yeah. even the media are starting to do it. Some of the journos that have never, ever cared about this question, they're now smelling blood in the water and they're going for the government going, well, if not now, then when? What's your benchmark? Okay, so I was, was going to ask you why, because... Uh, and you, you just said they smell blood in the water. Is that why they've suddenly taken an interest? Because everyone's vaxxed, right? It's 95% whatever. So there doesn't seem to be much point in media now to wave this flag. So why are they waving this flag? Because they think it's popular with the public and it will get clicks. So why is it popular with the public who are mostly vaxxed? So it's getting to the point now where it's socially acceptable enough to be against it. So prior back in, you know, December or whatever, it was like, oh, you know, we need this, whatever. Now, even amongst the media, everyone's had COVID or they currently got it, to be quite honest. We're going through another situation where anyone that who didn't seem to get it back in January seems to have had it either now or in the last two weeks. And I think everyone's going, okay, well, why are you still beating this drum? A lot of the businesses are speaking up. So obviously you know, when you start getting big industry groups that are getting publicly angry about it, you can see things like the Grand Prix with tens of thousands of people jammed together. Mm. And you're going, why do you still have these rules? All the other states. Okay, so them. are you suggesting that common sense, like logic is suddenly attacking everyone? They're going, oh, it's like a cold or a bad cold. And um, this is not making sense. And that's all that's happened. For the public, yes. For the media, it's a gotcha moment. The rest okay. of the states have dropped it and the Victorian government hasn't. And they're going, well, why not? And of course, the Victorian government is just feeding the troll at this point, going, oh, well, we'll do this, we'll do that. And the media smell the blood in the water. They're going to keep going. Well, you don't have a good answer to this. I'm going to keep pushing because it makes for good content. Okay, quick side question. How much of that was created by the, the freedom-friendly type of platforms? I mean, like yourself and, and, my, and mine and others, how much have we affected that? Or is this always going to happen anyway? 
without us making it's difficult it's difficult to measure the impact for an inevitable outcome in my opinion and this was an inevitable outcome so in that respect there's things that are kind of a a bit bigger at play than things like the freedom platform i think they play a role in creating communities that will have a larger impact elsewhere because everybody's then together united in an opinion and i think that is an important process but when it comes to the dropping of the mandates i've said this the whole time no they will never be permanent in the sense that the way that they're doing things now cannot last long term i mean if you have a country as crazy as france and they have dropped everything they were nuts with this stuff and the passports if they have dropped everything then you know it's inevitable that everywhere else will, will as well because it's just not sustainable from an attitude perspective from an administration perspective human behavior is not geared towards long-term kind of micromanagement we're just not capable of it and i've said that the yeah, whole i've time. heard you say that the whole time yeah i can confirm that but you know that means that everything dan said is a lot i mean they're all lie. i've just said scoma is the world's biggest liar but dan andrews he daniel i don't like calling dan because his media team is building dan so daniel is a way of undermining him daniel says um oh we're not going to tear down the vaccinated economy blah 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 all lies can i ask you a question about the federal state thing mm-hmm. you've said um a lot of people have been saying that a federal labor win means bad for the states because traditionally Australians hedge their bets. If they vote federal one way, they go the other way, state, generally speaking. So I'm actually concerned about that. I'm concerned that ScoMo gets back in and I don't like him for a number of reasons. And then everyone's like, well, to stick it to liberal, corrupt people, developers, they vote Dan back in. I think this will be most interesting in Victoria because as much as that is a very typical Australian voter thing, we have some, we have sort of like isms as a country where when the federal economy is predominantly bad, we vote liberal. Um, Whether that actually stacks up on paper is a completely different conversation, but that is the way we tend to go. We do in Victoria, this is very Victoria specific, not tend to vote for the same thing twice. However, the anger towards Dan in this state And if he continues on with the mandates and so on, it was in the media this week that he's obviously extended the pandemic declaration until July. Because of how hard he pushed this, it became a lot of his base. Unfortunately for him, in July, he's up for a decision where does he extend the pandemic again? Because that's going to lead it right up until the election, basically. Whereas the rest of the world is all really quite moving on. And the libs can absolutely wedge him in that. So it will be really interesting to see that, let's say, for example, I personally think at this point, the Liberals will get in again, not by a lot, I think by the skin of their teeth, but they will get in again. I think there is also a chance that Labor would be removed. It's not big, but I think Victoria is very unique in its attitude this year and how angry people are with both levels of government. Like, so when so- you're saying the Liberals would just get in, are you talking about state or federal? Sorry, I'm so- talking about federal. So I think, sorry, I think the Liberals will just get in federally and I think there is a chance they could get in in Victoria. It just depends. Like I posted this morning a clip of Matthew Guy from two days ago. He's so confident now. I know. I've I've never seen him look like that, talk like that. He must be getting some better advice because a lot of the stuff he's saying now, it's like, okay, you're kind of getting with the program. He can sense the change in the community. And it's interesting because this kind of politics and policy where you say you should do this Knowing that it's the inevitable outcome is a very easy win to have. So if he turns around and says, you should do all these things that he's already seen all the other states do, that he knows eventually Victoria is going to have to do, 
all it looks like is that he called for it first and that Labor were listening to him. I was just going to say, by dragging their heels on this, Labor are just handing it to him. Yeah, I think he's doing really well. I, I, I'm going to give you an exclusive voice for Victoria. I oh, haven't told anyone good. this. Uh, it's not that important, but I, I <clears throat> on the 20th of September last year, so this is seven months ago, I texted Matthew Guy and I congratulate. I said, let me be the first to congratulate you for becoming the next Premier. You will be the next Premier in November. I made a bold prediction and thought I'd try and get in first to congratulate him. I think uh, he actually will. Well, he replies to your messages. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> he never, re- he, he replied to others, but he didn't reply to that. Can I throw out? A thing you didn't put in the notes, but I know we're just about to end, but I have to do a shout out to the most corrupt state I've ever seen, Victoria. How about Dan Andrews, uh, Daniel Andrews, uh, floating the rumor, thanks to Rita Panahi, put this out, floating the rumor that they're oh, going to promote his chief of staff, Brett Curran, to be the chief commissioner of VicPol to replace Shane Patton. And Shane Patton has still got a couple of years to go on his term. So they're actually white-anting and undermining Shane Patton. And he's been a doofus, but, you know, doesn't deserve this when they're going to put his chief of staff in. But how corrupt can you get? This is on, on par with Western Australia, who they put in as their chief commissioner. Well, Western Australia is kind of law unto itself. They have such a huge majority in everything. That government can do whatever it wants and no one can stop them. It's absolutely unreal. If you want to talk about one of the most single toxic democracies in the country, it's WA. They're insane. They can do whatever they want. They've got such a majority, which is a weakness of the opposition. I mean, if you want someone to really blame, it's probably them. But I just, what happens in this state with some of the appointments, even some of the appointments that exist right now, like uh, Chief Wiggum, and people yes. like that. I have had some very interesting information about his rank that he has and the fact that it should be statistically impossible for him to be in the role that he's in based on how long he's even been in the force. Yeah, Luke Cornelius is who we're talking about, everyone, the assistant. I never for- remember his name. <laughs> You know, oh, sorry, Chief Wiggum. But he looks like he's the guy who said protesting is a human right. And he said, oh, you're all bat, S-H-I-T, crazy. Uh, he's um he's actually a plastic is what the cops call him. So I've been speaking to a lot of uh senior cops retired mostly and they um they call them a plastic so he came from the federal police and they're not well respected in amongst victoria police at all so he's not well respected on the inside i can imagine i mean anyone who gets parachuted in why would they be respected there's nothing to respect about you know nepotism or anything else like that that rumor that rita posted about which was just unreal and this is a problem i completely believe that I completely believe that they would parachute someone in who is completely unqualified for the role. Um, It would not exactly be the first time. One that I will bring up as well, uh, who's interesting if you want to have a look into it, is Sean Lean's brother, Stephen Lean, Mm. who's currently Mm. the interim CEO of Esther, who has also been an assistant commissioner, I think. He's been a CEO of a bunch of things. Just keeps getting bounced around, really cushy, really high level, really well-paying public service jobs. Can't find anything to indicate why he would be remotely qualified to do half of them. And yet there he is. I love this state. I really ah, love this state. I love this speaking state of, too, but it, it concerns me. Speaking of this state, uh, happy, I've got to run because I've got to go to an Easter thing. Happy Easter, everyone. It's good Friday today. I don't know when you're going to put this podcast out. but it's It'll Easter be today. So, so it, will be, it will be relevant today. So happy Easter, everyone. The end of the long weekend will also mark the closing of the voting registration and updating. So if you have not done so already, make sure you go onto the AEC and check that your details are correct or register to vote if you haven't, because we need to. This is going to be very important. So this is just for the federal election. This is the AEC, Victoria. We are doing a practice round. Well, you know, 
figuratively. We're also going to do this again later in the year. But for now, we are going to pass that very first hurdle with voting registration. We have another 36 days to go as of today until the election. I will be doing a lot more content about um, how to vote, how to do things. It's just very difficult at the moment. And I think, Matt, you would agree with this. If you put something else out on the internet way too early, it just gets lost. And then the mm-hmm. next thing you know, when it becomes relevant, everyone just asks for it all over again. Right now, I think people, it's a little bit too early. Um, it will come closer to the time where people can actually vote. But no, I'm looking forward to this and hopefully we see, um, yeah, one of the biggest voter turnouts we've ever seen. But now we're going to go have a long weekend and hopefully Matt will be back again next week and we can do this again. Thank cool. you for joining Love your work, voice. Thank you. Speak soon.